have pulpit, we'll travel. Would you open the book of Hebrews, please? Hebrews chapter 10. Tiny pencil here. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> I just want to make a quick announcement. Uh, we're going to be uh, having a parents' night at youth group. Not this Wednesday, Thursday, but the next. That's the 17th and 18th. And so even if you have fifth graders that are going to be coming up into the youth ministry, we'd like to invite you to that as well. And I uh, just want you to see what happens, meet RJ, uh, just get to know you all, fill you in on things for the summer. So that's Parents' Night at Youth Group, um, the 17th and 18th. So Wednesday is high school, uh, Thursday is middle school, but parents, you can make it to either one. Um, students, don't worry, we won't make you hang out with your parents that night too much. Um, they're like, no, I'm skipping. Cool. So technically, kind of my first uh, Sunday is the former youth pastor of Bear Valley Church, and uh, I'm going to spend my sermon defending youth ministry. Um, not that it needs too much defense, but just uh, I don't leave this position because I don't think it's worthwhile or because I don't think um, it's what the church should be doing. Uh, we have a saying in the office, can't be a youth pastor forever. At some point, they make you tap out. Uh, yeah, but it's okay. Um, no, the Lord's got other things for me to do here, and I'm super glad that RJ's here. Um, but we believe, <clears throat> we believe that youth ministry is one of the things the Lord's calling this church to specifically. <clears throat> so I want to just ask you, do you know that someone is discipling you? And do you know that someone is discipling your students, your children? Uh, do you know that Someone is teaching them how to think. Someone is teaching them things that are important. Someone is uh, telling them what's right and wrong. Someone is trying to influence their decisions and everything about them. Uh, discipleship's happening all the time. Okay, Really, we don't believe that youth ministry is much more than discipleship. Um, it's the Word of God. Uh, through the people of God, making us into the image of Christ, uh, the Spirit at work in our hearts. I <clears throat> uh, did some calculations. I'm a math guy some days, and I used to be at least. I couldn't do that stuff now that Caleb's doing. But uh, during the week, high school, I don't know if you knew this, you'll probably spend 30% of your week at school. If you're lucky, you'll spend 33% sleeping. That's eight hours a day, which I know is pretty generous, right? Everyone's looking at me like, eight hours a day, what are you thinking? Uh, you'll probably spend 10% of your time with teams and clubs, teams and clubs, sports, things like that, etc. You'll probably spend 11% of your time on just eating, getting ready, all that kind of stuff. Girls, that number could fluctuate. Um, You'll probably spend maybe 12.5% of your time doing homework. For some of you, that also fluctuates. <laughs> maybe it should be more, maybe less. And if you come to everything that this youth ministry offers during the week, you would spend 2.5% of your time at youth group, at a youth group and a small group, right? Um, if you miss one, you miss youth group, then it's just 1.2%. Okay. Now, the great thing is the Lord doesn't care much about percentages. Um, he does his work. 
right, all the time. But I want to tell you, that means you might, the students might spend four times as much with their team, four, much, four times as much time with a team, five times as much with books and academics, two times as much just with people at lunch, right? So there's an hour at school every day that's pretty much unsupervised, right? I don't know if you've been to the high school or middle school at lunch. It's like five people supervising 500 people, okay? On the bus, there's one person who's supposed to be driving, supervising 60 people. Supervision is a light term, okay? Um, you may even spend more time with people on the bus than with the youth group. Um, we have a weird thing where you guys get to spend time together throughout the week too, which I'm glad about. But I just want to say, uh, discipleship's going to happen. Discipleship's going to happen. Um, all those activities, the school, the teams, um, they're all teaching something. They're all training, okay, towards what's important, towards what's good, towards what, what we should spend our time on. There's, all, there's training going on all the time in all those settings, maybe except for sleep. Okay, sleep training, that's a younger age. That's what we're doing right now, um, or trying to do. Uh, so I want to read this passage in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 19. It says this, Hebrews 10, 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since you have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Would you bow with me and pray that God would bless the teaching of his word. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Um, what, a, what a privilege to, to be up here. Uh, what a privilege to have been in this place as a youth pastor for 12 years. God, um, what a privilege it is to have RJ take my place. Um, God, I ask your blessing on your word this morning and that you would teach what you want to teach, Lord. God, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, usually I like to go through a passage. That's not what I'm going to do today. Uh, I'm, a little un un uh, I'm a little uncomfortable jumping from place to place. But that's okay. So how does Christian discipleship happen? How does Christian discipleship happen? Two ways. The family and the church. That's it. The family and the church. Okay? Within Christian homes, there's an opportunity for discipleship. There's an opportunity to pass the faith along, to instill values and all those things. And in the church, uh, we have the opportunity to take young people and really everybody and to disciple, to, to come into the knowledge, maturity, the image of Christ, okay? So what if someone doesn't have a Christian family? What's left? Church. Church. Um, that's how discipleship happens. This is why uh, we've put a focus on youth ministry for decades in this place. Um, some are blessed with a Christian home and others are not. 
Okay, and we want to reach out to the dads, the moms, everybody. But if discipleship only happens in the family and in the church, then we can't just say, well, the church isn't going to be the church because you don't have a Christian family, all right? So I just want to say I understand that discipleship happens in the family. I'm not going to focus on that too much in this time here. Um, I'm going to focus mainly on in the church. And um, so look at what it says in Hebrews 10. Point number one, those of you like to take notes, and I do recommend it, uh, meeting together matters. Meeting together matters. Okay? The thing that's amazing about this book of Hebrews, these people are persecuted, okay? Uh, it's probably to Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem. And when a Jewish person came to call Christ the Messiah and believe in him and submit their lives to him and join a church, uh, they were probably exiled from their society. Uh, they could have lost their job. They could have lost their homes. They could have, they probably lost their family. They probably, uh, some, I mean, we had stories today, anecdotal, but they, some families have funerals for people and say, you're dead to us. Okay. And they're tempted to turn back because that's a lot of pressure, right? Socially, friends gone, money gone, family may be gone, everything gone. And so the book of Hebrews is written to say, don't turn back. Don't turn back. Um, Jesus is better. Jesus is best. Jesus is everything. And so don't turn back from that. He died for you. There's, there's no more sacrifice for sin. You know the blood of bull and goats is not, is not doing anything, is not actually accomplishing anything. And so he says, he says, don't turn back. And what's incredible to me, look down, right? Uh, verse 22, let us draw near to God. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly. Verse 24, let us consider how we may. Verse 25, let us not give up. And in the middle of that verse, let us encourage. A couple of things I want to point out. It's all us. So here we come to what could be the pinnacle of the book of Hebrews, right? He's explained about Jesus' priesthood, all these beautiful things that Jesus, that the, the new covenant is better than the old and the temples and all this stuff that he's explained. And he comes here and he says, let us draw near to God. Okay. Let us hold unswervingly to hope. Okay. And then he says, let us consider each other. Not giving up meeting together, but encouraging one another. To me, the one that doesn't fit there is the meeting together. Right? If you look at, we write the spirit, oh yes, I need to draw near to God. Oh, I need to hold to hope. I need to encourage. I need to not stop going to church. I need to not stop meeting together with the Lord's people. It doesn't seem to fit too well. It doesn't seem as spiritual, right? Some of us, we say, oh, I can have church just me and God. No, you can't. It's known nowhere in the New Testament. You cannot find it. Uh, the church in the New Testament is a body. Okay, You don't cut off a pinky and say, it'll be fine. Right? The pinky doesn't say, I don't need a body. Who needs it? At the best, that pinky is severely damaged. Right? It's probably going to die. We're a body. We're a body of believers. Okay, and the, and the book of Hebrews says, don't give up meeting together. Okay, um, this is all the more true for young people, right? High school, college, 
uh, that's when people stop meeting together most regularly. Okay? Um, you guys realize the parallels between the book of Hebrews and now? The pressures that are on the young people? Right? When a 12-year-old decides that they're going to make their faith their own and walk with Jesus, do you realize what that means socially nowadays? Um, the culture is not for it. Okay? Um, the coaches, the teachers, uh, employers, it's not, there's pressure, right? There's enticement to come away, and there's pressure that you must reject Christ. No, you can't really live from, no, it's not important. I just want to tell you all, who will provide spiritual encouragement to our youth? Well, hopefully they're families, but what about the ones that don't have Christian families? The church, right? The church will. Um, that's why this church has believed in youth ministry, uh, because the church will. Uh, who's going to provide encouragement? The world is pushing against Christ. Do you guys realize that? Um, I know I've heard of coaches that swear and uh, chew with their teams. I've heard of coaches that uh, talk perverted. I've heard of teachers that cuss in the classroom. I've heard of uh, people that are militantly atheists in the schools. I know of employers that will, that will balk at you if you say you're a believer. They're pushing their way. They're pushing their way. Okay? Point number one, meeting together matters. Okay? Point number two, spiritual infants need the word. Spiritual infants need the word. Now the high schoolers are going to be offended. Are you calling me an infant? Uh, look, look, turn over to First uh, Peter 2. First Peter 2, chapter 2. So meeting together matters. Spiritual infants need the word. Okay? This is how discipleship happens, okay? Meeting together, the Spirit, through the Word of God, the people of God, growing into the likeness of Christ. Okay? Why? Why do we grow? Why do we grow? Do we just need a church full of mature believers? No. No. You grow so that you can glorify God by making disciples. Right? That, for that, that's the only reason I know that we're here. Uh, that, you would, that you would mature, right? So, so high schoolers, middle schoolers, parents, everybody in this room, we're not just growing so you can feel good about your walk with Jesus, so you can feel good about yourself. Right? The Lord makes us into the image of Christ that we might go and make disciples of Christ. That we might raise Christian families. That we might reach out to a lost world. That we might push back on teams and push into schools and push back on employers and, and reach out to coworkers and all these things. That's just discipleship happening. Spiritual infants need the word. Look down, 1 Peter 2, 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You could also put down Hebrews 5.12 if you want to look up something later. Uh, will a coach teach them the word? Are the teachers going to teach them the word? Is their boss the bus driver? The people at lunch? Family in the church. Okay? Family in the church uh, is going to teach them the word. Spiritual infants need the word. Okay? 
but why especially youth? Okay, we could say all these things. We could, this is true of everybody. The things I've said are true of everybody. You need to not stop meeting together, and you need the word, okay? Uh, but why especially youth? The next point, I have, all, I have P's. I've alliterated everything so, so that it would be memorable. That's, that's what they teach in seminary, RJ. Uh, passions are strong. The next point is passions are strong, okay? The Bible has a special category for youthful lusts. The book of Proverbs is written about this, okay? Uh, 2 Timothy 2.22, which we've based our youth ministry on. If you want to turn there, I would recommend it. 2 Timothy 2.22, or flip in your phone. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace alone. Are any of you looking at the passage? We better look at it real quick. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace alone. No. No, it says, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Um, That's what we want the youth ministry to be about. Right? Flee the evil desires of youth. Do you guys remember? Passions are strong. Have you forgotten? Bring it back to mind and go, this is why youth ministry is important. I wish somebody would have told me that when I was young. I wish somebody would have helped me with this. Um, that's why we're trying to minister to people. Okay? Passions, passions are strong. Okay? Next point is this. Patterns are formed. Patterns are formed. So passions are strong and patterns are formed. Romans 12.2 2, says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform. That's the idea of being pushed, pushed, okay? Pushed into a mold. Do not conform into the pattern of this world. You can see it in youth ministry. We call it being too cool for school, right? You got a sixth grader, they're pumped to be there. They're pumped. They're at the youth group. They're pumped. They're excited. They laugh. They have a great time. They sit there and listen. Like, they don't even know what they're just listening. They're taking notes. They don't even know about what, but they're taking notes. And it's wonderful. Then sometimes along eighth grade, start showing up. They're not having fun anymore. And they don't pay much, they don't pay as much attention. You go, what's happening here? What's happening here? What I think is happening is the world is starting to say, I'm going to push you in here. I need you to push into this mold. I need you to be this way. And the youth are saying, there's a lot of pressure on me right now. Patterns are formed. We mentioned in first service, Proverbs 22.6, train a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. A little scary, because if your child's being discipled by the wrong thing, the wrong person, that could be difficult. Second Corinthians 10 talks about uh, we demolish arguments and pretensions. Right, I'm talking about patterns in your in minds. Right, I'm not saying I'm not saying like uh, necessarily just sinful habits. Right, I'm saying in our minds they're being we're being trained how to think. Okay, and the Word of God has to be brought to bear on that. Right, that's why. 
right? By the tra- be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is all we have here. This is it. They just need the word. You know the incredible thing? For the past 12 years, we have played the same 10 games, right? And we've sung, sung some songs, and we've looked at this. And people have come. Maybe they were forced to, but I think they wanted to, some of them, okay? And the 10 years before me, that's what that guy was doing. And I'm pretty sure the 10 years after me, that's what this guy's going to be doing. It's not that we have great ideas, all right? We, it's, not, it's not us. It's not that I have any better way to help your kid avoid drugs or to help them be pure or anything like I don't have anything special except for what's in here, okay? And that's what we're going to point them towards. And this will, this will cause patterns in their thinking that even when they stumble and even when sin happens, which it does happen sometimes, we commit sins sometimes, we do things wrong, even when that happens, this book has an answer for that. Jesus Christ, right? The gospel. Um, patterns are formed. Okay, next point. I don't know what number I'm on. Perspective is instilled. Patterns are formed. Perspective is instilled. You know what the main perspective of the world is right now? There's only there's two main worldviews going on right now. One is naturalism. Literally, that the soul, God, the soul, morality, all that stuff does not exist. All there is is what you can see. Neurons, things that you can measure. Okay, there's that. And then there's what I like to call Oprah's version of spirituality. Meaning I get to make it up myself. Okay. I'm going to be spiritual. I'll choose some of this, some of that. It's like the buffet style, um, but I'm going to be spiritual. Uh, do, you, do we realize how different the perspective is of the scriptures? That there's a God in the universe who revealed himself to us in his word, who came down and uh, lived and died and rose again that we could have life, be forgiven? Right? That's a totally different perspective than anything that's going on in baseball or at school or on a club, drama, drama, whatever. Totally different. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we live by faith, not by sight. We're telling young people that things like when you sin, it offends God, a God whom you cannot see, but who created everything. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh who died for that sin and who rose from the dead, conquering death and sin and offers eternal life by faith, not by merit, not by your own buffet of spirituality, not by your religiousness. That's a different perspective than what we're getting, um, than what our students are getting most of the time. Perspective is instilled. Next point, partnership is crucial. Partnership is crucial. Proverbs 13, 20, one of my favorite verses. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Right? We're going to have partners. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, uh, be partners with somebody. Now, I'm not saying you're gonna, if you're on a team, you got to be on the team. You got to be with those people. Same at school, same at work, whatever. You guys understand that as adults. But partnership. Who are going to be our students' partners? Who are your children going to take as partners? 
Who's going to walk through life with them? Believers or unbelievers? Right? Baseball, like sports, uh, drama, those are regions for evangelism, okay? But who's going to walk through life with them? Wisdom or fool? And some of you say, well, there's fools in the youth group. True, there's also fools in here. So you're like, shoot, is that me? No, I'm Right? We don't stop the church because there's some tares among the wheat. Okay? We realize that. Right? We realize we're trying to. But the thing that's interesting about this verse, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companions of fools doesn't just become foolish. Companion of fools suffers harm. You know why? Because Satan wants to kill and steal and destroy. And so when he can get young people to partner with fools, he will accomplish that. That killing and destroying. Lying. Partnership is crucial. Psalm 1, right? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of uh, the wicked or stand in the seat of sinners or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. The first summer camp I ever went to, those were the verses. At this church. I think I went Maybe I went for free. Other people picked me up. There was discipleship happening here. Right? Partnership is crucial. The next one is something you're not allowed to say from the pulpit. Pastors are gifts. Dangerous to say up here, right? I'm nothing special, folks. I'm nothing special. Neither are any of the other pastors in this room. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Those of you that want to argue with me about this right away. Some of you are going, wait, did you guys come with a gift receipt? Is there like, what's the return policy? Uh, Is this like Amazon where I can get my money back? Um, Pastors are gifts. Ephesians 4, 11. We already mentioned when we were praying for RJ that the Lord is sovereign over the gifts, right? He's sovereign over who he places here in this church, but look at what he says in Ephesians 4.11. It is God who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What did God give? Pastors. Some of you go, man, could have used, could have used a better gift. Um, RJ is a gift to our church. He's a gift to our youth. Right? He's a gift to your family. If you have youth in the youth ministry, he's a gift to you. Um, youth, he's a gift to you. That the Lord would put someone in your life to shepherd you, someone in your life with the sole purpose of teaching you, someone in your life to prepare you, someone in your life, right? And for adults, it's true of Pastor Kevin too. It's true of Mike. And it's even true of me. Dangerous to say. We're not, we're not the best pastors. But God gave us to you all. Right? It's a joy to us, but it's also a burden. Right? That we would be to you what God wants us to be to you. Right? A blessing, not a curse. <laughs> but Hebrews at the end would say that you all to do the same to us. Right? To be a blessing, not to make our jobs difficult. Don't make RJ's job difficult. It's already hard enough. 
Um, when you're talking to young people about their purity, when you're talking to them about uh, suicide, when you're talking to them about messed up families, when you're talking to them about evolution and intellectual questions and doubts, um, it's already hard enough. Okay, be a blessing. Um, be a blessing to him. Pastors are gifts. Uh, last, the last point, I, I ran out of peas. Uh, winning souls matters. The last part, winning souls matters. So, why not just do the families of our church? Why not abandon the public schools? Why not isolate ourselves and make a little Christian sports league? Why not? Because souls matter. Right? Pastor Mike said that one too. He who wins souls is wise. I wish I would remember that. I would put it in my notes. But um, I have down 1 Corinthians 9 verse 22 says, To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. Uh, young people, you're to be making disciples too because the souls on your teams and at your schools and around you matter. Uh, church, um, people picked me up. My family was struggling when I was in high school. Um, people picked me up and brought me here a lot of the time. Um, I wouldn't, you know, the Lord could have saved me however, but if it wasn't for someone picking me up and bringing me here, um, there was discipleship going on my freshman year in the wrong direction, right? That little one hour at lunch, I mean, everyone would have thought I was perfect. Teachers, good grades, all that stuff. My parents thought I was doing great and, and whatever, but that little one hour at lunch, that little time after school, there was discipleship happening in the wrong direction. But then the Lord broke in with some friends who said, you know what, we can pull you the other way. The Lord wants you. Um, Winning souls matters for your child and for others, okay? That's also why we believe in youth ministry. Um, so for those of you that have picked up someone for Sunday school, for those of you that have ever picked up a, a stu your kids' friends and brought them to church, for those of you that give money that this stuff can happen, for those of you that um, come and do things at camps for all that stuff, that's because souls matter. And that's our part of discipleship as a church to show those young people that they matter. Um, in conclusion, I want to talk about one word that's become pretty popular. It's the word mandatory. Mandatory. Practice today is mandatory. This meeting at work is mandatory. This, whatever, this test, this is mandatory. You have to have this to get into college. Um, Mandatory, mandatory, mandatory. What do they what do they mean by that? What do they mean by mandatory? It's not like they're gonna, you know, it's not like you're gonna be arrested. Um, what they mean by mandatory is there will be consequences if you miss this. Right? There will be consequences if you miss this. RJ's never gonna tell you this, right? Um, discipleship is mandatory. That 2.5% at youth group, I'd like you to consider it mandatory. Now there's reasons to miss and we're not legalists around here. Try not to be. We're working on it. Um, there's reasons to miss all that stuff. I realize that. 
But do you guys get it when I say mandatory? There will be consequences if students are not discipled. There will be. And so when the coach says, this is mandatory, I want you to hear in your head, and I want the parents to pass this around each other, discipleship's mandatory too because there are consequences if we don't do it. All right? And so um, I'm glad to have RJ here. He's been a friend for a long time, and he's going to preach the Word of God. And um, it matters. It matters. All right? Let me pray for us, and we're going to gather around the Lord's table. God, thank you so much for saving my soul. God, who am I that you would think of me and send someone to pick me up? and put a preacher in front of me that spoke the word of God. Um, God, we have nothing besides your word, really, and yet we have everything in your word. All we need for life and godliness, the spirit working through your word in our lives. God, may we be about that as a church, not just because we want to look mature or look good or feel good, but because discipleship matters, because I want to grow so I can help someone else grow. I want to glorify you so you can let my light shine before men that they might see good deeds and praise the Father who's in heaven. Um, God, thank you for RJ. Um, Thanks for bringing him here. Thanks for providing in your timing. Um, Give him strength and grace. May we be a blessing to him and his family. Uh, May the youth and the young people bond to him and look to him and follow as he teaches your word. Um, God, bless this church richly, not because of us, but because of you. Uh, We love you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen.